moving our way through Lent, and we are in week three, and we're on phase four. If you can believe it, we are on our way to the cross. We have journeyed through the phase of preparation, of temptation, of spiritual birth, and now this week, thirsting. In chapter three of John, the gospel of which we have been focusing on in the Lenten season, We covered last week the encounter of Nicodemus, a religious expert who approached Jesus at night in the dark, in ignorance. And this kind of approach is reflected in Nicodemus' lack of ability and or desire to relinquish his certainty. Certainty. It plagues us all. In the Garden of Genesis of chapter 3, the sin of the man and woman was the desire for knowledge and certainty. It's not enough that God knows. They are dissatisfied unless they've tasted of the fruit of knowledge. And are we any different today? When we receive baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit. And this is a great and necessary gift from God. But the real work, friends, only just begins. We have the Spirit, but we must open ourselves to the leading of the Spirit. We must let go of our certainties with full trust that the Spirit of God will teach and guide us. We must acknowledge that this world has created all sorts of problems for us, given us lots of other messages, of other things to follow, of other ideas of truth And has convinced us that we must be certain, that we must know. There are arguments out there like prove God exists. Because in that case, God is merely an argument and a quest for knowledge. But God is so much more. This world tells us that we think we must know. We bring this lust for certainty into our religious practice, do we not? We even believe that Doubt is the opposite of faith. Friends, doubt is not the opposite of faith. It's only when we have doubts that we are able to choose faith. We choose to believe when we have doubts, when we are uncertain. Certainty is the opposite of faith. Certainty is saying, I know. And the temptation is great to feel like you should know. I know many people that say they do know. I've been tempted myself. I fight it still. But we must know that when we are certain, we have no need for faith. Faith is choosing to follow when you have no evidence, or at least a bit of doubt to go along with the evidence that you have. When we cling to certainty... The source of our faith becomes like stagnant water, unmoving, unchanging, dead, scummy, unable to sustain good life. I mean, it's the stagnant bodies of water that tend to produce things we don't like. The Spirit of God, on the other hand, is like a spring of bubbling water inside of us that churns our faith 
again and again to invite us to let go of certainty so that we may follow the leading of the Spirit. When we let go of our desire to know, we cling to God with complete dependency. We long for God to be our source. And there's no better place to be. Nicodemus was unwilling and walked away unchanged, stagnant, disappointed, and in the dark. But a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman in chapter 4 encounters Jesus not in the darkness, but in the middle of the light of day, thirsting for water. And she encounters Jesus. And we read from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which was near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his journey, so he sat down at the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy him some food. The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognized God's gift and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink, you would be asking him and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave this well to us and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. You are right to say I don't have a husband, Jesus answered. You've had five husbands, and the man you are now with isn't your husband. You have spoken the truth. The woman said, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you and your people say that it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you and your people will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The Father looks for those who worship him this way. God is spirit and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Just then Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jar and went into the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man 
who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. In the meantime, the disciples spoke to Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples asked each other, Has someone brought him food? Jesus said to them, I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing his work. Don't you have a saying, four more months and then it's time for harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for the harvest. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This is a true saying that one sows and another harvests. I have sent you to harvest what you didn't work hard for. Others worked hard, and you will share in their hard work. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's word when she testified. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of what you said, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is truly the Savior of the world. The word of God for the people of God. Jesus reveals to the woman at the well that he is the source of living water. The idea of living water. See, John always includes a kind of heavenly truth with an earthly truth. Nicodemus got tripped up when he said you must be born again or anew or from above. He just latched on to the one earthly meaning again and was confused at what Jesus meant. The idea of living water is water that flows, that's moving. So the earthly sense, it's like a river or a stream, water that is not stagnant. And in the heavenly sense, as we see in Scripture through Ezekiel, Isaiah, Revelation, the idea of the river of life, that which will flow freely to supply a living water from God, Jesus reveals that he is the living water. The woman has been thirsting for new life. When she receives the invitation, she asks for a drink from Jesus. Even when she's confused about what exactly he's talking about, she responds with faith. Where Nicodemus was limited by his own certainty, this nameless woman responds with a willingness to let go and receive what Jesus has to offer, even if she's not exactly sure what he's offering. See, she asks for the right thing, for the wrong reason, but it matters not to Jesus. Her life, its circumstances matter not to Jesus. For Jesus, it's the opportunity to give her a drink that feeds him. So much that he refuses food when his disciples offer it. Friends, for Jesus, it's giving you a drink. Filling you with the Holy Spirit. Offering you life. Helping you to grow which gives him pleasure and purpose. Let us spend time in silence, listening and discerning with the spirit Jesus has provided us. Are you thirsty? Are you longing for more from this life? Are you struggling with questions? 
Are you struggling with a life built upon dissatisfaction and confusion? Good. That's a good place to be. And know that Jesus offers you living water. When we relinquish control and allow the Spirit to lead us, we are brought into new life here and now. Let go of your certainties in life. Pray that the Spirit fills you, guides you, and leads you to fullness of life. Even if for the wrong reasons, coming to Jesus for living water will begin the bubbling of the Spirit within. Even with your doubts, the Spirit will awaken you inwardly and lead you onward into the journey of faith, which brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Journey inward to the places where doubts and certainties reside. They will usually lead you to where it is there is an opportunity for growth. Where might the Spirit be beckoning you to let go and allow the living water of Jesus to churn your heart and bring forth new life and new faith? Where are you thirsting in your life? Where have you been longing for living water to give you a drink? We will hear from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and then spend our time in silence. So let us hear the words of Paul the Apostle. Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, combined with our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him, and we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. While we were still weak at the right moment, Christ died for ungodly people. It isn't often that someone will die for a righteous person, though maybe someone might dare to die for a good person. But God shows his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So now that we have been made righteous by his blood, we can be even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. If we were reconciled to God through the death of his son while we were still enemies, now that we have been reconciled, how much more certain is it that we will be saved by his life? And not only that, we even take pride in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the one through whom we now have a restored relationship with God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> 